so glad that everybody braved the storm and uh, made it here safe. It really was beautiful driving up 270. Just what a, what a picture-perfect day. Um, as Kim was praying, so um, let me share something I don't have written down, just kind of like from the outside. One of the passions and burdens for doing this is I got quite miraculously saved in 1976. Um, my friend and I in high school, he had started leading me into drugs. Uh, uh, our teacher, we went to an all-boys Catholic parochial school. We had uh, one art teacher who was female, who happened to be a born-again Christian, and she convinced us to go out to this Jesus festival, Jesus 76, in Mercer County, Pennsylvania. Um, and uh, our parents were okay with it, and he had just got his driver's license, and we were going to be hours away from home. And you know what? We had a deal with, uh, at the Asbury Park boardwalk on picking up a whole bunch of drugs, and you know, my whole goal was losing my virginity. And that was, that was we were heading on out there to, to Jesus 76 to do that, okay? <laughs> um, a number of situations and events we actually got encountered by the police before we had left, and that cut the drug deal. So we went out there without anything. He said, okay, it's going to be like 20,000 young people between 16 and 24. No problem getting stuff out there. We'll be fine. Um, and we get out there. Um, and uh, remember walking out, and it was a camping area, so you camped, and then you walked down to this outside field, and you know, we had our Marlboros and a blanket over our backs and stuff like that. And we're just thinking we're so cool at 16. And walk out to this field where you have 20,000 people with their hands raised in the air and singing Jesus songs. I'm like, Tom, what'd you get us into? <laughs> but that night, I heard the gospel. Now here, I, I'm, I'm raised very devout Catholic. I knew my Bible pretty well. As a matter of fact, when I started doing drugs, I was like, hey, I'm doing drugs, but I still pray. So I'm cool. You know, I'm, I'm okay, you know. So this is all my twisted uh, high school thought. Um, that night, we heard just this truth of this gospel uh, that changed us. And actually, the word that I heard was, you can know me personally. We went back to our campfire that night, threw our cigarettes in the fire, started memorizing scriptures the next day, um, totally reoriented our lives. We were baptized that weekend in a muddy cow pond. I went into the water not knowing I was dirty. I came out knowing I was clean. We saw miracle services. It was just, I mean, this is the uh, Jesus movement, charismatic movement. Uh, Things are happening. We are driving the whole way home and just like every rest stop we're stopping in, I'm seeing Christian material that I never saw before. Everywhere you turn, something else is happening. I mean, just like, you know, it just seems like miracles. And, And you start getting birthed into this. And especially the miraculous, you're just trying to get a handle on it, okay? And you start doing, you know, and so you listen to the radio, what what do they tell you? So you start doing a lot of crazy things at 16, like, you know, not putting gas in your tank and praying that God would keep the car going, you know? Um, A year later, we took a whole bunch of friends to Jesus 77, and it it was a broken down car that I had. And we, a number of times, were on the side of the road, all praying over that car, and I would say sometimes God did give us extra gas somehow. Um, I remember coming back, you know, uh, we stopped in to get some snacks. Me and my friend, everybody else is in the car, and we took a long time. And, and when we got in the car, Tom says, like, so what took you so long? I said, well, we were praying over where to get Oreos or Fig Newtons. And he looked at me, he's like, you were praying over Fig Newtons and Oreos? 
I said, yeah. He says, that's crazy. God's always into Oreos. <laughs> but I remember getting late to work and going through like all these stoplights and I got to get there and there's no way I can get the 15-minute drive in the next five minutes. Lord, just like you did with Philip, you could just transport me there right now. Do that. Pray, Lord, do that, you know? And kind of like expecting these kind of things. Um, so it's a, it's a whole mix of stuff that comes when you're talking about the Holy Spirit. And since then, I think the church has actually grown a lot. I think we are much more divergent. You had the very charismatic, very reformed, you know. Um, this is of the devil. This is, this is everything, everything God needs to be doing. And the church, I'd say, overall, is much more in a place of, listen, we need to experience God. So part of my burden on this is trying to go right to Scripture and saying, Listen, this is not so crazy mysterious. This is God. It's right there. Let's, let's look at see what it says. And um, may God just move from there. How does this therefore apply to us? And so last week we talked about the person, the work of the Spirit. This is going to be live by the Spirit. All right. So, um, quick review for those who did not hear last week. Uh, I'm going to try to recap this in two minutes or less. We reviewed, Wayne Gruner has a statement that the Holy Spirit as one of the members of the Trinity, that his primary work is to manifest the active presence of God in the world and especially the church. And that that was seen right at the beginning in creation. Not only that, but all throughout the Old Testament, we talked about how the Holy Spirit is just constantly showing up in men and women. But very uh, specific situations Specific men and women, specific times, specific activities. But the Holy Spirit was there. It was the Holy Spirit working through men and women who was moving God's purposes forward all the way through the Old Testament. Uh, And then we said that that was all being done against this backdrop of the people of God who were very um, much like us, constantly falling short of what it is we were supposed to be, not believing God, even though time after time God showed himself strong. And that is identified in Scripture, and as a matter of fact, leads to God saying, listen, therefore, there's going to be a new covenant, not like the old covenant I made. In this new covenant, the Holy Spirit will come and dwell within you. And that was the promise of the Holy Spirit, which finally happens at Pentecost. And the last thing we reviewed is how you can most clearly see in the lives of the disciples that picture, because they lived Old Testament and New Testament. And so, If anybody should have been able to follow God, they who were there with Jesus working miracles and saw him and heard him firsthand, they could do this. No, Jesus said, wait, wait in Jerusalem. And so we use this chart, and uh, I did touch it up because Albert caught me right in shading in the middle part. I missed the lines. We live in this overlap of two ages, the red line being this present age that we are just here. It's today. It is Frederick, Maryland's 2022. And the age to come, which is also Frederick, Maryland, 2022. But there was this event that happened at Pentecost that the Holy Spirit came and the kingdom of God came, started. That initiated uh, the, the, the kingdom of God, all right? But that is not consummated until Jesus returns, all right? So God has come in, invaded earth in a spectacular way, and 
the disciples are like, okay, from here out, we are going to evangelize the world. And we are going to do that through the power of the Spirit. And God's going to do some incredible things. And things that we are looking to in the future are going to come present here. The Holy Spirit, Him manifest power, signs, wonders, miracles, healing. But we're not to Christ's return yet. People still die. The world is still fallen. Everything's not whole and won't be whole until Jesus returns. All right. So we live under that tension, the already and the not yet. So let's pick up right where from where we left off. Today, we hopefully will cover the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit in signs and wonders, the Holy Spirit in the church, the Holy Spirit in personal growth, and some closing remarks. So what happened on the day of Pentecost? All right. Here's the scene. You got 120 people in an upper room. The faithful who are there waiting with the, with the uh, disciples and saying, wait for the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 1 to 6, what happened? When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. All right, check out that scene. Isn't it amazing? A sound from heaven like this mighty rushing wind filling the house. All of a sudden, there seems to be something like, looks like fire. These divided tongues sitting and resting on each one of the 120 people. They're speaking in tongues. And what the heck does that sound like? 120 of them. And all the nations that are gathered there in Pentecost are coming and saying, I understand what he says. I'm from Babylon. I understand what he says. And I'm from Persia. I understand what he says. And, and so what, what, what do we pull away from this? Well, number one is this is purposely demonstrative. God has set this up. This is Jerusalem, and this is Pentecost. This is the time when Jerusalem is overflowing with people from all the different nations. All right? That's the holiday. That's the celebration. And God says, you know what? I'm going to jump in at this party, and we're going to do something real special. And it's going to be real demonstrative. And that's exactly what happens. Now, as a reflection, when Jesus rose from the grave, it wasn't like that, right? Okay, so Matthew talks about one scene where the angel actually rolls back the stone and, and, and the soldiers are on the ground, but the other disciples are just like, you know, Mary's in a garden looking for a gardener and Jesus is there, right? And, and that's your testimony of God raising from the dead. A woman saw him. Very different. But... In Pentecost, there was nothing special that the 120 did. There wasn't like this special prayer that they did or this special believing or this special faith. They just obeyed. Jesus said, wait. They waited. The Holy Spirit did what God was going to do. Then Peter stands up with the leaven and has a long sermon which says in essence, you know what, this, what do you see? is the new covenant. The, the spirit prophesied by Joel poured out. Which has come about because 
good Jesus was killed by you and raised up to life by God and is sitting at God's right hand. The spirit poured out is proof that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ. That's his sermon. You got this incredible event. People are just freaking out. What's going on here? They all come rushing out. Jesus, Peter says, this is what's going on. You put Jesus to death. He was the Messiah. God raised him from the dead and poured out his spirit. That's what you're seeing. What a message. What an event. What a promise. So here's the thing. This happens. These 120 are receiving a new covenant life. Something transforms. And in that message, it says 3,000 people are added to the church. Now you've got 3,000 new covenant people. And Luke wants to pull back and say, okay, this is what it looks like to have Holy Spirit baptized people. Acts 2, 41 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds as well as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. All right, look at those colored words, if you can see them. And thank you, Pam, for getting them to 32 font. <laughs> what is striking about that list to you? Here's what I read. Luke is sharing that the effect of the Holy Spirit coming in new covenant upon the people is so pervasive, so effective, so revolutionary as to recreate society. Two big pieces that stand out. One, these men and women are ridiculously generous, okay? This is Scrooge on Christmas morning, waking up after the three spirits have visited him. And it's like, it's Christmas Day! They did it all in one night! And all of a sudden, Scrooge is giving away his money. People don't do that, okay? I love the fact that Luke has highlighted abundant generosity because this is not natural. And the second, they're relationally healthy. They want to be together. They're breaking bread, glad and generous hearts. Now, think about this. Any microcosm of society that you can think of. Okay, you're in a large family. There's seven kids. Are they generous? And are they liking to be alone together? Think of your fourth grade classroom. Okay. <laughs> this is not grabbing toys out of each other's hands. This is not someone being put down. This is not pecking order. This is not someone being ostracized. This is who we are as human beings. But the Holy Spirit has changed that. This is like right at the core of society. This is like, they're different. This is miraculous. Holy Spirit, signs and wonders. That's the day of Pentecost. Let's go signs and wonders. So 
Too often when you hear about the activity of the Holy Spirit, it seems the primary focus gets into signs and wonders. But as in the Old Testament, so in the New, signs and wonders are just that, signs and wonders. They are not conversion. Changed hearts and lives, this was the reason for the new covenant and the outcome of the new covenant. Power to believe and obey God. So, why the signs and wonders? Let's look at the text. Acts 2, 43. And all came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. Why through the apostles? Could it be connected with the previous verse, 42? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, We've got to pull back and get ourselves in Jerusalem. Although the apostles' teaching is rooted in the Old Testament and drawing from the same thousands of years of God revealing himself to the people of Israel, their end point or conclusion or summation, this therefore is how we should live, is totally different from the established religious leaders. This small band of upstarts has taken the entire Jewish history, all the practices, all the traditions, all the prophets, all the scriptures, and they're saying it all points to believing in a resurrected Jesus. That's exactly what Peter said in his sermon at Pentecost. That's not just radical. To these guys, that's heresy. All right, Jesus knew it was going to be that way. So in John 15, 26, he promises, but when the helper comes, he came on, on Pentecost, right? Whom the, I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. How will the Holy Spirit bear witness? Remember what Peter said in his first sermon, Acts 2, 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God. Attested to you by God. The Holy Spirit attested Jesus to you with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. It was going to be the exact same way with the apostles. And they went out and preached everywhere, Mark 16, 20, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Hebrews 2, 3, and 4 will look back and says, it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. You go right through the book of Acts, and that's the pattern that you're going to see. Signs and wonders attesting to the truth proclaimed. Acts 5.12, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. Acts 5.15, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. That as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. A shadow of an apostle touching somebody and doing something, maybe healing them. But the high priest rose up, verses 17 and 18, and all who were with them, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. 
All right, we're starting to see a tension here. We're seeing two lines of thought coming. Now, before the Jewish leaders, the apostles, arrested, they're accused of what? We strictly charged you not to teach in his name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. This is the problem. This is what they're on trial for. They're teaching. What teaching? Jesus is the reason. What did you say? That's not the, what the Old Testament, that's not what Moses is saying. That's not what the prophets were saying. No, that's what the prophets were saying. That's a totally different teaching. Jesus died proclaiming that teaching. And now the apostles are teaching that teaching. And it is totally contrary to the established Jewish religion. So what's their response? It's classic, Acts 5.29. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. This is the whole drive of God through the Old Testament. Will my people obey me? And what was their teaching? Verse 30 to 32. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. There it is. They're teaching in a nutshell. This is the problem. And we are raised in Christian tradition. We're thinking, well, of course. Pull yourself back 2,000 years. Nobody's sitting there saying, of course. 120 were saying, of course. Now 3,000 were saying, of course. That's it. Nobody else in the world. So, who do you believe? <laughs> this small group of fishermen? Tax collector? Zealot? Or do you believe the established, elite, trained, educated, historic, generational, Jewish church? They've been around for thousands of years. They have passed it down. They have preserved the Torah. They have preserved, they've written this stuff. They've devoted their lives to study them. They, they lead the, they've been leading the church my whole life. I watch this. Why do I believe these guys? No contest. I would believe the Jewish leaders. So would you. Except for the apostles pulling out this trump card. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Who pulled that one out of the deck? Like, who's right? Who is obeying God? The twelve? religious leaders how do you know the Holy Spirit says who is right how does he say it signs and wonders that's exactly what was happening right here and you know that their argument was convincing who's right the one the Holy Spirit says is right the Holy Spirit's been manifesting and saying this is right and they got furious when they heard this they were enraged and wanted to kill them. Why? Well, because they couldn't do the miracles. The 
that the apostles were right. And they had no argument against them. What do you do when you have no argument against? You get rid of your opponent. So how does this section finish up? Look at verse 43. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Search signs and wonders in your electronic Bible and you'll see that this pattern continues throughout Acts and is confirmed in the epistles. That is the purpose of signs and wonders. Okay? So just lock that in. That's why you needed it. This is the truth. Jesus rose from the dead. He's at the right hand of the Father. You need confirmation of that. God is going to show it powerfully. All right. That's one aspect of the Holy Spirit, signs and wonders. Let's shift the Holy Spirit and the church. Now, remember the role of the Holy Spirit that we shared last week, the Wayne Gruden definition, manifest the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. I want us to focus on that part. Now, while trying not to box the Holy Spirit in too much, he's God, he can do whatever he wants to do, there seems to be this other major category when you read through the New Testament of the Holy Spirit's activity. Search gifts in the New Testament. Just Google gifts. And you'll see that the purpose of gifts is for strengthening the body. Strengthening us here today. The two longest and clearest sections you're going to find in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. Now, up here, you're going to see um, pulling from those two passages, 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. I don't know if we're going to be able to get them all up there. You've got lists, and I'll start reading through these. Several lists of gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 8. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith. By the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing. By the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. We're going to go to verse 28 in 1 Corinthians. God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, in various kinds of tongues. And let's look at the third list in Romans 12. Now having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let's use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortations, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. All right. We just looked at the three longest lists of the gifts of the Holy Spirit listed in the Bible. And... They're right there. And what do we draw out of this? Number one, none of the gifts are exhaustive, are they? As a matter of fact, you see that there's only a little bit of overlap. There are like four different gifts, healing, teaching, prophecy, and tongues that show up in more than one list. That shows each one is kind of like a representative list and not different kinds of lists. These are motivational gifts. These are uh, spirit uh, enunciated gifts. These are, no, they, this is just... Um, Paul in these different places is just trying to list off gifts of the Spirit. And the overlap shows that not, there's not special categories. So what are we drawing out of this? 
There's lots of gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it's not just those lists. The Holy Spirit has come into his body, into you, and has given you numerous gifts. So, I'm here, you know, Living Hope, Community Church, and I got this real burden to care for the children, children's ministry. I don't know, just something, I just, I just want to be there. I mean, you know, just their, light, their faces are lighting up. Is that a gift of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. You hurt for the hurting. You can, you can listen to them for hours in their suffering. You just have so much patience. You want to be there when they're hurting to be a shoulder for them to cry on. Is that a gift of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> you bet it is. Yes, the rest of us who don't have it. We just started a ministry, Stephen's ministry at Covenant Life Church. 15 people we trained. Oh my gosh, these people are beautiful at it. That's what they want to do. Yvonne and I taught the course. It's not what we want to do. <laughs> but Yvonne has this incredible gift of discerning and talking to people and triaging, and this is where they're at. And you know what? If I could get that person with this person, oh, that'd be great. And that's her job in Stephen's ministry. I'm connecting this person with that person. It's a different gift. We all have different gifts. I had a guy approach me a couple months back. He's got access to a lot of money, had a business. It's like, um, you know, I'm giving to this and this, but I'm really looking for needs like nobody else can meet. I'm looking for needs that like aren't put out there. Like, if you're in touch with anybody, can you let me know? Is that the Holy Spirit? <laughs> yeah, giving your money away is the Holy Spirit, okay? <laughs> Listen. Um, are these, here's, here's a question, are these gifts of God by nature? Was I just made that way? Or is there there's just something about my temper, temperament? Um, even those gifts, what do we have that we did not receive? Now, why has God done this? Well, Paul goes on to elaborate. He has given the various members gifts for the building up of the body. This Community here needs building up. You have gifts for doing exactly that. They're varied and they're multiple. And many of them are probably things that they're just so natural to you, you don't think of it as a Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, we've got this pride nature, this is me, I'm talking foremost, that you're doing this, says, I got this. And you don't realize how much of this is, no, this is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and he pulls back and I don't got this. <laughs> That's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. And he has purposely given you something that he hasn't given you. Why? So that you need him. And he needs you. He's purposely made it that nobody's got all the stuff. That together we are needed. This is God. This is one of his activities is pulling together mankind under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. It's what the Holy Spirit does. All right, so if you were to list, just think of it very broadly. Creativity, insight, leadership, courage, fortitude, encouragement, writing, musical composition, gardening. I mean, the Holy Spirit just inflames all these. 
We could, we just keep on going. We could just have fun listing these things all off all afternoon. Could this be a gift of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, why not? So, <laughs> don't try boxing God in, please. But conversely, recognize that what you are there enjoying, you just have a joy. You just have feel led. That that probably is not just you. That is probably God. Because he's alive within you. And he's wanting to do something. All right. What are we to do with it? 1 Peter 4.10 As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's good steward of God's varied grace. All right. That's the Holy Spirit in the church. Holy Spirit and personal growth. Shifts the categories again. And this is important. Recognize I'm just trying to hit categories to try to pull in this whole big picture when we start talking Holy Spirit that we don't react to an aspect of the Holy Spirit, of an aspect of an expression of the Holy Spirit we've seen other people do. All right. Holy Spirit and personal growth. Now, I'm going to pull on the book of Galatians. Galatians is a hot letter. Right from the outset, Paul does not have his normal introductions. Right away, he's getting in and he's very incensed. Who has bewitched you? Why is he so upset in the book of Galatians, which doesn't appear in the other books? I mean, if you think about Corinthians, Corinthians, he's got to list a whole list of things that they're doing wrong. I mean, they're, you know, someone in the church is having sex with his mother-in-law. I mean, they're getting drunk in communion. And Paul seems to have more grace for them than he does for the Galatians. Well, why? Paul will let the Galatians know because they are going right to the heart of the gospel and trying to break it. I threw this up as a picture um, of what the Galatians are trying to do. There were Galatian teachers saying, Yes, Jesus is good, but you need Jesus and. You need Jesus and the circumcision. You need Jesus and these certain laws. You need Jesus and practice these uh, certain holidays. You need Jesus and practice these certain traditions. Jesus and anything is an affront to the gospel. Jesus and anything is a non-gospel. Jesus and anything, Paul will go on and say, this is demonic. Now, in one sense, you're sitting there going, well, hey, they're, they're looking at the Ten Commandments. So all the Galatian teachers doing, they just want to make sure we're doing this religious thing right. Yeah, Jesus is fine, but just, let's just make sure we're doing this right. Jesus' end. And Paul says, no. There's no end. It's Jesus. So they're trying to achieve a righteousness by just adding in a little bit of law. Their goal, in one sense, is similar. They want to do right. Their source is wrong. What we're supposed to be is like, God, I can't. You can. Lord, help me. By your spirit. Now, this comes beautifully together at the end of Galatians, that after four chapters of just ripping them up, He says, okay, this is how you do it. But I say, walk by the Spirit. 
and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. For the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousies, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy and drunkenness, orgies and things like these. I warned you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. All right, let me just hit three of these categories. He's just talked about walk by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. All right, walk by the Spirit. We mentioned this last week. He says right here, there is a tension For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and desires of the spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. I got Jesus now. Everything's all right. I did not come to bring peace to the earth, but a sword. I came to set a man's household against him. What's going on? New Testament, Old Testament. There's a tension. What we talked about last week, the present age and the age to come, that tension right within your heart, it's real. It's present. It's every day. Your flesh does not go away and the Holy Spirit does not go away. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit is given to keep the flesh in line. But they're both going to be there. So, walk. What does walk mean? Walk implies both direction and empowerment. You, I walk with my legs. It's not just where am I going, it's under his power. Remember the picture of the person praying on his knees. I can't, you can. Walk by the Spirit. Don't lean on yourself. Walk by the Spirit. This seems so hard. Yes, it is too hard. The flesh is hard. Walk by the Spirit. God, help. God, help. Led by the Spirit. ESV study notes the verb there, led, ago, implies an active personal involvement by the Holy Spirit in guiding Christians. And the present tense, if you are being led, indicates his ongoing activity. (laughs) Just encourage your heart with that. The Holy Spirit has been given to you. You have a voice within your heart. The Lord himself has come to dwell And that voice is there speaking to lead you and to guide you. He does speak. He's speaking a lot. Be led by the Spirit. Now, it's interesting, right? After that, led by the Spirit, all the works of the flesh that Paul listed, each one is a perversion of human activity. Each one is destructive to human life and human relationship. Anger, murder, perversions, just distortions. It's the enemy's work. Be led by the Spirit. John 10.10, the thief 
comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Is there a law to follow? Yes. The law of the Spirit. We follow God, who He is like, what He is like. Jesus summarized it this way. Love your neighbor as yourself. Fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. And here's beautiful. The Spirit is not just on defense. I'm not just going to be defending against the law. I'm not just going to be defending against flesh. I am going to build in you joy, love, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What's going on? Now, um, maybe some of you guys uh, have this verse on a wall somewhere. I'm sure everybody's heard it. Romans 8.28, it's used all the time. And we know that all things work. (laughs) For those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. What an encouraging verse. All things work together for good. We, We share that in a lot of ways, not always at the best times, but we hear it a lot. Well, we gotta go to verse 29. What is the good purpose that God is working all things towards? For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among brothers. Listen, you woke up this morning, and so did I, probably with plans for the day and for the week. Most of us wake up most days with a plan. This is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. This is who I want to be today, this week, this year. And so is the Holy Spirit. And he's, he starts off every day and says, i got a plan. John is going to become more like Jesus. Samantha is going to become more like Jesus. And I'm going to use all things, relationships, events, tragedies, sorrows, joys, pains, highlights, every single one of them. Don't waste anything. I'm going to make this person more like Jesus. Remember last week I started off saying, you know what, Albert started off this year with God's high priest in 2022, God's word in 2022, God's prayer in 2022, God's command to love one another in 2022. And I said, I believe this is going to dovetail really nicely. There is a war that we live in the flesh and the spirit, the battle. Every morning when I open up my Bible, it becomes a lot clearer what God's saying. I am fighting my flesh and this thing does not want to give up. And I get on my knees again and again and it's a real easy prayer. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. And he does. Command to love. The Holy Spirit has come into my heart primarily for me to love, believe, obey God. And I'm so glad he's there discipling me every day. These are vehicles that Albert addressed. There is a person. I think... Um, we need to go back to the Garden of Eden and remember the temptation that was on Eve. 
The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That was a lie. I can do this without God. I can be apart from God. I don't need God. It's a lie. That's the lie. They died. So what's Jesus, what's God doing? He's got to reverse everything. No, you do need me. <laughs> you are created. I am creator. I'm not just creating creator. I love you. I made you as a pinnacle of my creation. My longing was fellowship with you. I want to be with you. I want it so much. I'm going to send my son to suffer a horrendous death to receive my wrath to pay for your sin. Why? So I could be in fellowship with you. And Jesus is going to send to the heaven. He's going to send the Holy Spirit and he's got to come right into your heart and the Father, Son, and Spirit are going to dwell in your heart. Why? So we can have fellowship. So we can get back to where we're supposed to be. You left. You went your own way. You broke this. I'm bringing you back. I'm restoring it. This is why the Holy Spirit. He wants to walk with you, relate to you, know you, be with you. There are some people who when they talk about the Holy Spirit, I feel like they're talking about a power. I want to see this happen. If I just pray in this way, confess these words, you know, do like this, this thing's going to happen. The Spirit's not a power. He's a person. And unfortunately, this tendency is not new. Acts 8. This is the story of Simon the magician. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Ah, one people get the Holy Spirit. Yeah, lay your hands on, get the Holy Spirit. It's not how Peter sees this. May your silver perish with you because you thought you could attain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter. For your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours. He's not a power. He's not a tool. The Spirit and His gifts are not so we could get what we want, look good, impress others, do without God. The Holy Spirit is given that we can humble ourselves. We can come before a holy God and not be destroyed. We can know him and the love of God with him. We can experience his love blowing through us. We can respond to him and do the things he's called us to do. So what will that look like in your Christian life? The reason I did this recap is this. Here is what I think it will look like. Signs and wonders. A small percentage of your life may be the ability to see signs and wonders. Why? Because signs of wonders are given to confirm the teaching. So I've seen this in little ways. 
in certain places where I had to bring truth to a person. And it was great to have a miracle manifestation happen right then and there to just affirm. I believe the church will see more of this as we get outside the walls. This is where I expect to see signs and wonders is in the streets. And specifically as you get into foreign countries and people who have never heard, hey, I'm telling you about Jesus. Jesus who? Jesus who rose from the dead and is sitting at the right hand of God. Really? How, how do I know that? Let me pray for your cancer. Healed. Cancer's gone. Jesus is at the right hand of God. So yes, signs and wonders. More regularly, much more regularly, and this is what Albert was referring to, building up the church. May, this, may you all come out of here just recognizing, Holy Spirit, you... I just thought this was me, or help me see this clear. Holy Spirit, what have you given me? You, you give me some gifts. I, I want to use them well. Let me, let me start using them more fully. Let me be excited about this. Oh, Holy Spirit, I want to do this. I want to do this. That we can do it with faith. That we can be building one another up. So there's a big percentage of time, you know, that we're going to be doing that. But the biggest one, this is day in, day out. I wake up in the morning, I breathe. I go to bed at night, I breathe. It's growth in the Holy Spirit. It's relationship, it's fellowship, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's being led by the Spirit, it's hearing the Spirit's voice. This is not supposed to be odd. It's not supposed to be weird. He does speak. He does live within you. He is God. And we are born again by the Spirit. He dwells in you right now. We just wanted to take this time to pray into these areas um, and pray for individuals. Maybe in just going through this, you feel like, you know what, I need to repent of my view of the Holy Spirit. Maybe I was ignoring the Holy Spirit, distrusting the Holy Spirit, angry at the Holy Spirit. Maybe there is this hunger and desire, like, you know what, there, there was this, there's this little flicker. I remember this flicker. I want, I want a flame. Remember, Paul says to Timothy, pray for the gift that's in you, fan, the Spirit fan it into life. The gift that was given you at the laying on of hands, fan it into life. Maybe you just want to freshly know, <laughs> you are my God, you are my Father. There's regular times of refreshing. The Holy Spirit comes because he just loves us. He loves to pour himself out on us. So let's draw near. So listen, I love you. So we don't know. The Holy Spirit can be doing all kinds of things. So we're going to have a time of prayer. And uh, we're going to need you guys praying for one another. <laughs> because none of us has the gall of the gifts.